All right. Ready? We ready to do this? Do we have any idea what we're going to talk about? No, we never do. Perfect. <laughs> let's, let's just go. <laughs> Secrets to our success. Get out of here. Way back. Looks up. There's a cycle. You can put it in the board. Yes. A single, double, triple, and home run in one game. He is hit for the cycle. All right. Welcome back to the cycle. I'm here with Jim Flanagan, and if you can hear the excitement in my voice, it's for a good reason. I because think that I'm we here. I've never seen I've never said this before. I think we just recorded our best episode. I think it's yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I, I we've had several really good ones. I love the Benetti interview, things like that. But the caliber of who we got to interview today, right. pretty exciting. We have Commissioner Rob Manfred and Steve Lyons, who is a broadcaster for NESN. The Red Sox are in town. And we just kind of reached out. He agreed to do it. And he, like, out of nowhere, he was just tremendous. Really fun. But the commissioner was, that was like a wow. How'd you feel when we first walked in there, or when the commissioner first walked in there? Any nerves or anything at all? No, no, I felt good. He seemed like a really chill guy. Seemed like like a really great guy. Yeah. It's just not an opportunity you're going to get every day. Like, oh, hey, here's the commissioner of the Major League Baseball, and he's going to sit down and talk with you. Right, yeah, definitely. First commissioner I've ever spoke with. Sure. In any league. Well, right. Anywhere. No Gordon. No. <laughs> no Gordon. No. no. <laughs> the, uh, the funny thing about the commissioner was um, seeing how like relaxed he was like off the bat. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. he was just kind of – so that, that makes you just more uh, a yeah. more comfortable situation. And you see what he's doing today, and he's going around, and he's probably doing 10, 12 interviews, right? Yeah. And he's probably getting the same questions 10, 12 times. So just kind of – I mean, we talked a little bit about what he wants to do with the game and things like that, but just a little bit more about who he is and things of that nature. It was pretty nice, you know, to be able to just kind of talk to him about something different. I think it was a good thing on the reaching out to the youth – uh-huh, absolutely. That you did not suggest what you wanted <laughs> to suggest. Which one? Oh, <laughs> we were coming up with ideas for uh, suggestions for uh, uh, reaching out to the youth. And I was like, what if when everybody gets to the stadium, uh, you guys just start playing football? Uh, <laughs> we, be, we didn't want to say that, that to them. That would have been bad. But I think it, like, it would work. How about what was lower yours? the drinking age? Lower the drinking age to 17. <laughs> you want to reach out? I think that we should go to... Uh, First of all, I think mound visits, you should only get one mound visit per pitcher, and it should have to be by your mascot. I think how much fun <laughs> would that be if, like, Southpaw's out there yelling at Chris Sale and kicking dirt in the air? Like, it's not going to speed up the game, but the pace is much more <laughs> enjoyable, right? Not for me. That would be ridiculous. Southpaw doesn't even talk. <laughs> well, that's the funniest part about it. <laughs> and he should talk to Chris Sale. He's lefty. Right. <laughs> he knows his struggles. <laughs> right. He's a young upstart lefty, both over six feet tall. Tickets are going out like crazy people are buying up tickets so you guys should be um make sure you get your tickets come out to some games get to whitesocks.com you also want to get tickets to uh, a little night of comedy at the u.s cellular field what who's doing that you know it's gonna be uh, me you and kevin bozeman it's gonna be a great time thursday june 2nd stand up with the socks gonna be some white socks ambassadors there too and that is um at whitesocks.com slash comedy but I think you're going to enjoy this episode, just the the difference of um, the commissioner, you know, and, <laughs> and we were told you have to be a little bit more reverential. Yeah. So I look that up. Yeah. I mean, Jim walks in with his shirt tucked in. You were looking. I did not have a shirt tucked in. I know. You look like a slob. <laughs> commissioner eyeballed it. Mm-hmm. Didn't respect you right away. That's no. why I think that you were not a huge part of the conversation. <laughs> but he li- <laughs> he seemed to gravitate towards me and my did professionalism. He? Did he really? I got my five-star notebook here. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many times no, he's been interviewed nice with a guy with yeah. a... <laughs> with the two <laughs> with meads here. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Uh, let me check my trapper keeper because <laughs> I have some great questions in here, Kamish. Um, but then from the commissioner to Steve Lyons, and Steve is like a goofy guy. And, you know, I remember Steve on the White Sox. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of. larger than life always. Yeah, played for a few teams. But I remember him as a broadcaster, too. And he was sure. great. He's always been fantastic as a broadcaster. Talked a little bit about how his broadcast career came to an end. He said some things that were interpreted perhaps the wrong way. I think the wrong way. Sure. Um, but, you know, he continues to be a broadcaster. He's on NESN, New England Sports Network. He's doing Red Sox games. And he was nice enough to join us. So. Really want you guys to uh, tell your friends about this episode because it's not every day you get, you get to hear the commissioner talking about stuff that we covered. And uh, make sure you're downloading on iTunes. Review us if you want. And uh, we hope to see you at the ballpark that homecoming weekend. We're planning on – it's not set in stone. We're planning on doing el- some uh, live podcasts yeah. that weekend. We'll tape them live. It's going to be a lot of fun. What else do we have coming up? Um, just the uh, stand-up with the socks. Mm-hmm. And that's on Thursday, June 2nd. There's also so. going to be a Harold Baines episode coming up soon. Oh, yeah. We're talking to Harold. Another White Sox legend. I'm excited about that. That'll be you and Kevin Bozeman. The only one not excited about it, from what I hear, is uh, Harold Baines. Harold Baines. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to that. He's a legend, man. He's incredible. I might just kind of come hang out and be a fly on the wall of that one, because that's yeah. you and Kevin. Kind of uh, like the commissioner interview? <laughs> just like the ones we just did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enjoy these. <laughs> enjoy these. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, be, we'll be back, back soon. Cycle. MLB.com. <laughs> Podcast. You can stop recording now. <laughs> well, we are uh, floored by our guest. This week on the cycle, I got to ask you, um, what, what are you doing here on our podcast, <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner Rob Manfred? Thank you. Well, this is just part of my ongoing uh, effort to make sure that I see Major League ballparks, all of them, on a regular basis. And uh, today was the day to be in Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, this is a huge opportunity for us, and also I feel like a way that we could possibly lose our podcast. Yeah, you kind of. <laughs> it is owned by MLB, so we've got the boss. Really, right you're here. just our boss. You're just visiting yeah. us. Yeah. Did you know that we worked for you? The guy well, who signs know, our paychecks and all the baseballs. It's oh, kind we'll of a nice combo. Just pretend like that is not the case. Okay. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, thank you. Uh, just just you know, so our listeners know, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you, where are you from? I'm from Rome, New York, originally. Uh, grew up in upstate New York. Um, I went to school, uh, went to college in upstate New York, and then went to Boston to go to law school. Um, practiced law for about 15 years, and then went to work for baseball in 1998. And have you always been a baseball fan? Huge baseball fan. Grew up um, in a household that was all Yankee fans. Yeah. Um, that's a problem I've outgrown. <laughs> um, but um, in my current state of neutrality, I have to outgrow it. Come um, on. Yeah, you do. You cannot uh-huh. just ditch... <laughs> Uh, something you grew up as a boy loving, right? I you mean, know, I, I, I'll tell you the truth. When I started um, in baseball, I used to hear uh, people in the commissioner's office say it's important to be neutral. Okay? Right. And I'm not going to name the teams because it would give it away, but I went to a playoff game with Commissioner Sealing and was sitting up in a suite, and um, there was this feeling that Commissioner Sealing might have had a particular <laughs> lingering fondness for one team. I don't know who that and could be. I noticed that the um, 
executives from the opposing team, every time something bad happened for them, they would turn around and look up to the box and see if the commissioner was clapping. And Bud dutifully sat on his hands for the entire game. There was no clapping going on. And it did teach you a lesson. People yeah. do expect you to be neutral, and I've always tried to But everyone to do that. knew he was rooting for the Brewers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think he's gotten his it car shut the doors? It was not a game. Oh, it was not. <laughs> no, right. It was not a Brewers game. <laughs> so I, I want to ask you that because as a fan, like, so, you know, we do stand-up. We're comics. I love comedy. I would never want to run a comedy club. Is it difficult as a, you know, I know you're saying you have to be neutral, but as a fan of baseball that you have to, you have to rule sometimes. No, I think it's, I think it's actually um, a privilege to have a chance to work in a con in the context of something that you love um you know i practiced labor law for 15 years i did it in a bunch of different industries let me tell you this baseball's a lot more fun than airlines <laughs> trucking yeah, or right. yeah. hospitals um, that's for sure um, when you well, were a cadet as a baseball fan like all your friends were like i want to be a baseball player were you like i'm going to be the commissioner one day i, I can th this is actually true um until a very few months before i was elected I never thought about being in the commissioner of baseball. I, I really, it just never occurred to me that was going to happen. Certainly was not my goal, mm -hmm. even when I went to work for baseball. How about now that you are commissioner and you're the, the 10th com commissioner right. in Major League Baseball history? That's incredible. There's only been 10, you, you being the 10th. What are your goals now as commissioner? Well, I think if uh, I prioritize them, my number one goal is to make sure that our game gets passed down to the next generation um, in the same way it was passed down to me and my generation. Uh, I think young people are, are really the key to the continuing success of our game. Um, I think we need to encourage young people to play the game. We need to get young people into the ballparks, and we need to use technology to deliver our game to young people in the way that they're used to consuming content. Do you have any programs in place that are like using as a model to get the youth? Yeah, we have an umbrella program that we call Play Ball. Um, it is designed to get to young people with every level of interest. So if you're casually interested in playing the game, we have play ball events that encourage kids to play informally, wiffle ball, home run derby, anything where you can engage with the game, not necessarily 18 kids in uniform, umpires and parents, but just informal play. Um, then we have the RBI program, more formal play, uniform similar to Little League. We have great partnerships under this umbrella with Little League, Cal Ripken Baseball, Pony Baseball. Um, and then finally at the top of the heap, um, kind of our our elite programs, the Urban Youth Academies, and elite development programs. Well, that sounds fantastic. And, you know, baseball, I think, you know, another thing that you've been trying to focus on is speeding up the game, we which have. is tough because it's a longitudinal game. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's an inside you like joke. That? You do yeah, realize yeah. there. Well, inside yeah. baseball, <laughs> baseball. That is, in fact, it. an inside joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're working hard on pace of game. We think, you know, look, we think uh, pace of game is important um, on the topic of attracting young people. Um, and there are... But they're used to baseball being long. I mean, those are the longest games ever. Those games when you're a kid and no I one can agree. even catch the ball. I, I think uh, 2014 was kind of a watershed year for us. We crept up over three years, or excuse me, three yeah, hours in terms of um, the average game time. And I think it, it, the effort we made last year moved us back down about six minutes. And we're going to continue to try to tighten up the game, um, not fundamentally change the game, 
but take out those slow moments in the game and just help things move along a little bit. And you've said a few times it's not just the time of the game, it's, it's the pace. It, it, that is right. Keep I it mean, interesting. You know, I mean, it, it, in some ways, um, the length of the game can be a good thing if you have a lot of offense. Some fans really yeah. prefer to have big um, offense in the game, and, and longer games usually are associated with more offense. But it's the slow spots that we're really focused on. Like the mound visits and... Right. Which you don't even need to do, right? They could just—they should just text the guy. Well, you know, I've taught. <laughs> right. We have some really good managers that work yeah. with us, including, uh, you know, Joe Torrey, a Hall of Fame manager. And I've never been quite able to figure out what wisdom is imparted <laughs> in those right. mound visits. Yeah. Um, it's There's hard a to bunch tell. Of ways you could I, think, I feel like you just randomly skip innings. Yeah. Like you go, we're in the bottom of the fourth. We're going top of the sixth. Nothing happened. Nothing. Happens. Nothing. Yeah, fifth. Yeah, fifth yeah, inning. No, no, no. You're never in your backyard. Like bases loaded. Two outs, <laughs> bottom of the fifth. That's right. <laughs> no one thinks about the fifth. What if we just have Mark Burley be the all-time pitcher for every team? Well, he I does mean, move it like, along. Yeah, right? I, like <laughs> I will lot. give you that. He does move it along. But, you know, it does make the point. Uh, one of the things that we've experimented with is actually a clock on pitchers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you can get pitchers delivering with – you know, a nice, smooth sure. pace, it does move the game along. And technically there is a rule in the rule book, right, under that? Yeah, there, there is a rule, but I, I think um, our research tells us that yeah. the number of seconds involved doesn't really help us. It would need to be a little quicker than okay. it is in the rule. I've heard you talk about that, too, and, you know, so many people with technology being what it is today and they want, you know, automated, automated strike zone or things like that, but there's something, and I've heard you say, too, there's something beautiful about the human element. There is something great about the human element. I, I think that in terms of this, the pace of the game, the speed of the game, um, too much technology will slow the game down. There's absolutely no question about it. And people get misled. They believe that the box that they see on TV is the strike zone. Yeah. It's one of the great lies. It's not the strike zone. It's like it, a speed gun at the stadium. Exactly. And that box is the same whether you're six foot five or five foot two. Yeah. And so it, it does give a misimpression, I think, of the ability of technology to do what our umpires actually do with tremendous accuracy. Sure. You guys loosened your rule on technology in the dugout. You guys now allow um, the managers to have iPads. Right. Right. In the dugout. Essentially replaced, you know, that visual of the big white notebooks yeah. under their arms was not that great. We thought. <laughs> I just picture like 50 year old men yeah. struggling <laughs> right. with right. that iPad, though. Like it might even oh, make I it longer. I, I actually. <laughs> like, I got to call my nephew. He's <laughs> a sophomore. At <laughs> One great thing about our clubs, when you make technology available to them no matter what age, they figure out how to use it, particularly if it can be used in conjunction right. with the play for of the competitive game advantage. Field. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So the um, the entertainment of the sport and you know, you've been on, on record about the, the bat flip and people celebrating, which right. we're all for, mm -hmm. you know. Um, talk about that because it's a generational thing and it's right. I, I mean I, my thought on this is is pretty straightforward. A generation ago uh, players developed unwritten rules. Obviously, there are rules of the game that we control, but unwritten rules as to what was appropriate on the field and not appropriate. Well, it's a new generation. Um, I think that generation should have the same entitlement. They ought to be able to decide what's appropriate in today's world in terms of these unwritten rules. And I also have great faith that our players will use good judgment in terms of developing those unwritten Would rules. Would that be your style at all to, like, sign a – a great collective bargaining agreement that you can just toss the pen <laughs> well, and like look, walk let, out of the room. Let me like, say this about see that. <laughs> let me say this about the bad flip. Okay, um, I think that it took place in a 
really almost unique inning in the history of baseball. I mean, it was really a historic not inning, you know. <laughs> and um, I'm not sure I want to see 25 bat flips in sure. a game, yeah, but I right. do think there are moments in baseball where that kind of demonstration adds to the entertainment. It's just value. a little showmanship and it's personality out of these guys. Right. And it's and happening in other sports. There's no question. And, and look, you know, fans want those moments, right, give you a little peek inside the player. Right. You see him out there in the field, but it it lets you see a little more of his personality. And and we all know that um, in today's entertainment business, it's about access and it is a little peek inside. Do you pay attention to the other leagues and what they're doing? Absolutely. Is there Uh, something like what's something that the NBA is doing that you think, you know what, we should do more of that? Well, I I think that um, one place where I have a little envy about the NBA is I think that um, their players do a fantastic job on social media in terms of the number of followers they attract um, obviously their schedule is a little different than our guys we yeah. have a very tough schedule but um, I'd like to see baseball players more present on a lot of those platforms there's more of an impression in, in my mind that the clubhouse in baseball is more sacred than maybe some of the other do you think that plays a role yeah I think I do I do think it plays a role and I think that the club you have to remember the clubhouse in baseball when you you work 162 times in 183 days you spend a lot of time in clubhouses i will never do that it does (laughs) you know it makes that location you know the the concept of the clubhouse a little different than i think you know when you have you know 16 or 18 games in a year is that something that you can send down the line to the players like hey guys you know Get out there on social media. You know, I actually went around last year and um, I spoke to uh, the players on all 30 teams. I wanted to give them a chance to see exactly who I was and whatnot. And one of the messages that I delivered to them was that, you know, in today's world, for us to be competitive, fans want access. And access via social media is a very, very important piece right. of the puzzle. Well, listen, I, we know you're – go ahead. No, I, just, I think we're seeing that a lot with the 2016 White Sox team. I mean, just you're seeing more guys engaging on social media. It's It it definitely gives you the ability – it makes players more likable. Like you talk said, to each other, too. Yeah. Right. And, the, you know. right, and the program we did um, during spring training with Snapchat, I think it, it was at least symbolic of our commitment to the idea you need to be out there on social media. I'm not sure we really want to be every game, cell phones in the dugout, yeah. but it was a nice experiment. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think changes the perception of the sport a little bit for the positive. All right, we're going to start winding down here. We know you have to get out and do whatever commission. I do, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I want to ask you just a couple of things. One thing being, take, take us back to being a fan. Okay. And and I, and I'll say you know one of the greatest moments I had as a as a Sox fan was 05. That's mm-hmm. a no brainer for all of us. Low point was '83. I happened to be at the game. Tito Landrum ended the winning ugly. You know, right. end the yeah he ended right. the, the series. What is, was a low point as a baseball fan, and then what was your your favorite moment? Well, let me do my favorite one first because that's easy. My first ball game was at Yankee Stadium in 1968. Mickey Mantle was my hero. It was the end of his career. Um, the Yankees lost three to two, which was an unfortunate thing. But, the but you two, were neutral. That's so you right. The two <laughs> runs were two Mickey Mantle solo home oh, runs. Oh wow, that's incredible. So, who, was, know, who was pitching? Um, you know, it was Minnesota. And I can't remember who pitched. Frank Viola? No, no. It was way before that. 1968 is <laughs> a long time ago. This is kind of a fun podcast, <laughs> Commissioner. We're trying. <laughs> In terms of uh, uh, moments of disappointment, um, I think that uh, – you know, I, I really I, – this game hasn't disappointed me very much. <laughs> you were a Yankee fan in the, the 60s. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> well, I did live through the uh, Jerry, Kenny, Horace, Clark, Fritz, Peterson Yankees. There are a lot of disappointing moments in those years. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. I'm sure we'll be hearing from them. They're going to be sending some <laughs> letters right. to the commission. Thanks for the shout-out. Um, all right, I'm going to put you on the spot. This will be the last question. Okay. There's been 10 commissioners right. in Major League Baseball. In 30 seconds, can you name the previous nine? Yeah, Seelig, um, Vincent, Jamadi, Ubaroff, Kuhn, Frick, Eckert, Landis, Where are, we at, where are we at on time here? Eight. Missing, He's got 12 I, seconds. I'm For someone who's, you know, I hate to speed up the pace of this game. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing really well. I'll give you a hint. This guy had left his Senate Chandler. seat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Happy yeah, yeah. Chandler. Right at the 32nd we mark, too, by the way. Well good. played. Yes, very good. Happy Somebody Chandler. Knows how to and I'm sure we have some happy Chandlers that enjoyed this interview. <laughs> you know, I like that segue. Go ahead. I actually got Chandler before you, you did. You did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> Man, he's very competitive. Yes, I like that. <laughs> Not neutral at all. Uh, that's right. You're here to win. That's right. No, thank you, Commissioner. We'll, we'll be uh, we'll be watching. You know, it was a great start here for the Chicago White Sox, but we'll be uh, paying attention to Major League Baseball throughout the season. And uh, good luck with everything. Thanks for your time. Well, it was great to do it. You guys are great. It was a lot of fun. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks bye-bye. so much. All right, joining us now is Steve Lyons. Steve Lyons, as you know, played for the White Sox in the 80s, and he also played for the Red Sox, a couple other teams, and he's now a broadcaster for the Boston Red Sox. So we grabbed somebody from the opposing team. This is a first. It's a first. But it's going to be friendly. But, and he's got great White Sox ties. <laughs> yes, I mean, he obviously, does. storied history. He's got great here. purple ties, favorites. too. He does have great purple ties. <laughs> he's wearing one good. right now. Who said it was going to be friendly? <laughs> <laughs> So, Steve, uh, you are a fan favorite still in Chicago, and many people remember. We'll get that out of the way right away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, what? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. How do you forget about that? Uh, yeah, some... Where were you guys at? We were in Detroit. You were in Detroit? Yeah, I needed a date. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, much, not much going on in Detroit, man. <laughs> so you so. slide in. A, was it like a head first slide? In a... I was trying to beat out a bunt. And uh, I slid headfirst into first base, which I did many more times than I ever should have. But uh, I I was pretty sure I was out, but they called me safe. And so there was (laughs) no replay then. No, no, no replay. Well, well, they, they I mean, they did get it wrong anyway, even yeah, if there was a replay. They did replay you pulling your pants down. Yeah, well, a many times, times. <laughs> many, many times, yes. Someone will always ask. But they were arguing, and I kind of forgot where I was standing, and I needed to get the dirt out of my pants. So I, I just kind of forgot I was standing in front of everybody on the field and <laughs> yanked my pants down to get the dirt out of there and next thing I know people were throwing dollar bills into the dugout so it was pretty funny Beautiful. Detroit you're lucky it wasn't like, quarters like 17 True. bucks man there you go <laughs> pretty cool and did you get a date uh, I got a lot of calls <laughs> a lot of calls that. some of them from women <laughs> so it was it was kind of weird. That's awesome. So I read that uh, I was just reading up in your bio you're born in Tacoma. Yeah. Did you spend a lot of time there? I was in Tacoma this past weekend. You were? Yeah. I was, uh, no, I don't. I was born there. Uh, I think we moved uh, pretty quickly to Seattle. And then after, I think by two years old, I was living in Oregon. I was basically raised in Eugene, Oregon. It's beautiful out there. It rains a lot. It's not the best See, place I think there. you guys make that up. I actually think it's like you don't want people to move there. It's perfect because yeah, well, it's kind of perfect. When I was growing up, that we used to have Oregon ungreeting cards. Really? It would be, you know, it would be like, <laughs> the card would say, last year... Uh, 357 people fell off their bike, and then you'd open up the card, and it would say, and drowned. 
<laughs> you, know, you know, something like that. I was like, we didn't want you to come here. You know? <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> but it does. Right? It rains nine months out of the year. I don't know what day you were up there. I was just there. I lucked out. The, the weather was it was great. It was impressive. I've never been out there, Pacific it's, Northwest. And it's, it's green. Like, Everyone says, oh, it's so green out here. It's because it rains every day. Everything's yeah. green. Yeah. Well, that's like Ireland, right? That's what they say. Yeah. At least. Mm-hmm. It is a lot like... Uh, I went to go golf in uh, in uh, Scotland, and I felt like the countryside was very much like Oregon. Oh, yeah. So you play baseball in the 80s. You, you know, you went to college, and you're playing in the 80s. Who are some of the, like, crazier guys you played with? Cause, but a lot of them probably say you. You, you went by Psycho, Yeah, I was right? that guy. I was, I was the guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get the nickname Psycho? Um, Mark Sullivan gave it to me, and Mark was a backup catcher with us, and his dad actually owned the Was a the Red backup Sox. catcher giving you a nickname for it? You ever say, Dude, I know. You're a he backup. was way crazier than I was, too. <laughs> I, I, I got mad. You know, it's kind of funny. I'm actually really proud of the way the game's played today. You don't see a lot of guys snapping. You know, you know there's very few guys throwing bats and helmets around. And in, in my era of time, a lot of guys did it, and I was one of the worst offenders. My dad called me one day, and he says, uh, he goes, you know, you're not really a very good player. And he goes, even if you were a good player, if you got 600 at, at bats, you're going to make 430 outs. Are you going to yeah. throw your bat every time you make an out? And I kind of thought about it. And then I guess my answer was, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm going <laughs> to. Because for some reason, and I'm, I'm actually embarrassed about it. I'm embarrassed about the way I acted when things didn't go well for me. Um, but I, I couldn't, I, my emotions just got away from me. So that kind of created, you know, lent itself to the whole psycho thing. And it's funny that you say that because I never noticed it now until you pointed it out. You don't see that as much. Yeah, you know, and I know the passion's still there. And, you know, because, I mean, if you were cynical, you'd say, well, they're making too much money. They don't care if they make it out or not. But they do. You know, they, everyone still cares about the game. I just think that they control themselves a little bit better. And maybe the culture of the game has changed um, in in a good way in that respect. So, uh, yeah, I mean, when I was playing in Comiskey, if I hit a ground ball in the two hole and the grass was so long, it would suck the ball up and the second baseman would go over and pick it up and throw me out. Number one, I'd be running down the line screaming, cut the bleeping grass. <laughs> and then when I hit first base, my helmet would come off and I'd bounce it. It would fly up all the way in the air. And the first base coach would have to go over and pick it up. How rude is that? Right. I mean, the, you know. Who is maybe, that? I don't know. We had No Neck Williams there for a while. We had, you know, whoever whoever those guys were. Someone, one of those guys should have said, you go pick up your own darn helmet. I'm I'm not picking it up. You psycho. You made the last out. You can walk to your position. I'm going to go into the dugout. You go pick the helmet up. That's what they should have done because it was rude of me. I I feel bad about it. Did you ever apologize to him after the fact? Good for you. Not one time. Dude, you've been to some... You see, you sat down and talked. You worked some issues out. Man. You're like neutered. I was now. a jerk. It's crazy. This is like a therapy yeah. podcast. You have one of my favorite distinctions as a baseball player. Um, it wasn't the pants. It wasn't the pants. Well, you have two of my favorite distinctions as a baseball player. Um, you played all nine positions in a major league game. Now I know it was it was a Cubs Sox Windy City Classic before there was interleague, so it was exhibition. Yeah. But Counts how cool was me. that? Yeah, it counts to me. I mean, I I, I, I say that I did it. Um, it was excellent. Uh, I was it, it came at a time where I kind of needed it. Jeff Torborg was the manager. That was in, in 1990. In 1989, I really kind of had one of my best years. And I wasn't a very good player, but I got a lot of playing time. And I kind of thought that the next year I'd get a chance to play a lot. And then 1990 rolled around, and I didn't get to play at all. I wasn't playing at all. And I was upset about that. And I generally knew in my career when guys were playing in front of me that they deserved to be playing in front of me for good reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought I was, I was going to get on the field more. And then Jeff said, you know, why don't we 
throw you a bone and let you play all nine positions in one game. And they decided to do it on the Windy City Classic, which we won. And, um, you know, I got a chance to do it. And I think That's the incredible. thing that I'm most proud of is that most guys can't do it. Sure. You can't yeah. do it. You know, you, you can't catch. You know, anyone. They could throw Catching's got to be the hardest. Yeah, catching and shortstop, two hardest positions. Um, How many gloves did you use that day? Uh, catcher, first base, second base, third, four, five gloves. Five, five different gloves. ones, yeah. I usually used a bigger glove to play third than I used to play second or short. First Who's catchers did catch. you use? Oh, I had them. Yeah, I, had them. I, I mean, I was showing up with the pitchers and catchers every year. I was, I was technically our third catcher. Hmm. Um, I caught an inning in the big leagues. Oh, uh, yeah? I caught a Bobby Thigpen save, actually. Did really? you really? Carlton Fisk, late in the game, like broke his wrist, got a foul ball off his wrist. I think he had pinch hit for Karkovice or something like that. All my stats are completely wrong. I'm lying, <laughs> um, but I think that's you what never happened. Played with them. But my memory was my memory is really bad as time goes on. Um, but uh, and then I got a chance to catch, and I was mad. I was mad at Dave Gallagher because what happened is I went in and, and caught the ninth. Thigpen came in. It's and a save situation, so it's a close game. Well, no, it was it was uh, it was tied. It was tied. I, I'm pretty sure, and so. Uh, then Dave Gallagher hit a, like a three-run homer to win it for us, and and then that was so that was it. So I, I only got to catch one inning. I was like, Oh I yeah, thought we we're gonna go extra innings. I'll be out there for a while. I could really <laughs> mess things up. So, but yeah, I would show up with the pitchers and catchers. I think one year, the White Sox told me, Hey, you had a really good year last year, but if you go if you don't go down to instructional league and learn how to be a third catcher, you probably won't make the team next year. I'm like, huh? Okay, really? Let's wow. go. So I did it. But the ability to do that, I mean, it's just so unique. Yeah, there's not too many guys. I mean, I thought there was only three, but someone told me the other day there's been like five. I don't know. Shane Halter, I guess, did it too. And the one guy did it. I, you can't count this one. Some guy with the Texas Rangers did it, but he didn't even get into the game until the fourth inning. I mean, how's that? We don't acknowledge anything that yeah, happens that's in Texas. Not, that didn't no. happen. No, and Texas, Texas doesn't count. You're still the only player who's done that and pulled his pants down at first base. So. Indeed. I think I'm the only guy in Red Sox history to have played all nine positions and DH'd in the same season. Okay. I, I did that, I think, a couple of years. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I lost my glove, I, they would have sent me home. You know, I couldn't hit. So, how'd I, you pitch? Uh, I actually pitched like five innings in the big leagues. Did you really? Yeah, I have like an ERA of three. So clearly, I was the last Snap. thing I ever. I should have done that. I would have been a better player. <laughs> did you throw some breaking stuff? I did. I struck out a bunch of guys. What'd you max fun. out at? I was. I threw ninety. I had a good arm. I had a did really good really? arm. Sunk the ball a little bit, had a nasty little slider, a little changeup. Man, you were out of position. I was. I should have been a pitcher. I don't know what I was thinking. I think Suddenly had a, you playing the other eight. That's I know. Weird. I played every other position except for the one that I should have. I think when I was in high Who school. Who was the toughest pitcher you faced? Um, two guys. Clemens was ridiculous. Two guys at once would be hard. <laughs> yeah. that, that would be the Who's toughest. They the both got me out. Yeah. Um, and John Candelaria. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I remember him. Candelaria is like 6'9", left-handed, threw from the other team's dugout. You know, I couldn't. <laughs> Which was, is not legal. No, I know. And I was the only guy. I was a, he was the only guy I was afraid of. I was afraid to face him because I couldn't see the ball. Had you gotten hit by him before? No, I never got hit by him. I was only one for eight. I was one for eight career, and I, my one hit was a home run in eight, when he was with really? the Yankees. Yeah. But That's one right. time when we were here, when Billy Martin was managing, it got it was a crucial situation late in the game, and I was coming up in the you know I was thinking hey we, we got a chance to win this one. Uh, the Yankees were winning by a run, and we loaded the bases, and it was my turn to hit. 
and he brings Candelaria in out of the bullpen. Candelaria was a starter, and he had him go warm up just for me. Three pitches, struck out, sit down, game over. Thanks for coming. <laughs> I mean, come on. Really? I'm looking at Billy Mar. Are you kidding me? You bring this guy in? Shit. Right, right. He knew I had no what chance. What goes on in the dugout? Like, if your base is loaded and maybe, like, you're down or maybe you're up big, does anyone ever be like, hey, don't screw this up, dude? Is anyone like, do you guys talk trash to each other? No, it's like, hum, babe. Come on, Billy. <laughs> Get a hit here. <laughs> That's it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think I think everybody. I think that's part of the reason why I used to get upset was to maybe let you know that I thought I should have done better. Um, it's kind of an odd thing. I think I think everybody wants the situation where you get a chance to be the guy that can drive in a big run, but you're also you know kind of scared that you won't get it done. And if you don't, then you kind of look you look. You look yeah. like Steve Lyons. You know, you're <laughs> like, you know, it's not good. Who are some of the, your the guys that you stay in touch with, like your favorite teammates? Uh, you know, what's a weird thing. I think because I was a jerk, I don't have that many friends. That <laughs> is that why I you're played. doing our podcast? Yeah, That's I mean, weird. I had nothing else to do. I mean, so it wasn't. You know, I had a family. I feel like we could be buddies. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. Keep your pants on. I'll make you mad here sooner or later, and you'll, just, you'll leave me behind like everyone else. Start throwing equipment uh, around. Yeah, but they fun. don't know the new. They don't know the new Steve. I mean, you can hey. reach out to these guys. Like, hey, I'm really nice and gentle now. As soon as I sat down, you told me I couldn't touch the table because it makes noise. I mean, I'll just be like this. How about that? You want some Come of that? On, That's psycho. what you get. That's what you get right there. <laughs> the nickname. So you know, I had a family, so um, I was always surprised when on an off day, guys would be like, "Hey, we're gonna go golfing." I'm like, "Go golfing? I'm gonna reintroduce myself to my kids. <laughs> they haven't seen me for three weeks. Nobody knows who I am." So that was a little different when I had younger kids. Actually, I was one of the younger players. How many kids you got? Some of the older kids. I, um, my oldest daughter's 39 years old. I have a 17 year old grandson. And really, if you do the math on all that, I, I'm 55 years old. So my my oldest daughter was born when I was 17. So even when I got to the big leagues at 25 years old, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the guys on my team, they were older than me, but they had like infant children. And sure. I've got like a 12 year old running around, you know, it's like, right, right. So it was, uh, that was a little more challenging, I guess. But at the same time, it was important to me to spend a lot of time. And I moved around a lot. Yeah. You know, I, right. I got, I never stayed on the same team very long to make friends, you know, it was like, you know, why would we care about this guy? He's going to be gone in three weeks. Sure. You know? <laughs> There's noise in the background. We usually have a very quiet place. Oh, it's a crazy. Am I the touching ballpark. the table again? No, no, no. no. The commissioner's here. I'm just telling people that are listening. Yeah. We're in the scout lounge and they're getting ready for. The, the, there's a game tonight. Obviously, that's why you're yeah. here. And um, so what should I you're ask with the commissioner? NESN, I get to right? talk to him later too. What's up? I get to talk to the commissioner later. What should I ask? Him? Oh, are you going to? Oh, yeah, he's going to be on. You know what? We talked to him about um, Trump. He seemed to like. Trump? He wanted to dive he's into politics. He's a Trump fan, is he? No, we talked. We just talked baseball with him. Oddly enough. He's a very down earth guy. Have you met him? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I might be able to come up with something. Yeah, I'm sure you will. <laughs> Could be fine. None of these softball. I won't, I won't, I won't ask him any of these questions now. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome How about the awesome if he ever needed a date in Detroit? <laughs> you were traded to the White Sox for a Hall of Famer, correct? I was. He never mentions that. You ever notice that? He doesn't. No. Tom Seaver never says one word about getting yeah, traded about for your me. First speech? No, That's no, you know, and you know, I scream from the rooftops that I was traded for him, but I don't think he's ever mentioned it one time in his life. That he, <laughs> yeah, he got that's a, for that's me. a great thing. They're like, hey, Tom, who you traded to the Red Sox there? Who 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 was in that deal? Nah, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> 
who knows? People always say to me, straight up? Yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, you know, I was a young up-and-coming stud, and he was, like, on his deathbed at the time when they made the deal. So, I mean, you know, it wasn't that tough a deal. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. So, like, propping him up, like, yeah. weekend at Bernie's I think he just went, to get him yeah. out of the dugout. I mean, the guy was an amazing pitcher, right? But at that yeah. time, it was. He, I think he went 2-5 and five with the Red Sox, hurt his knee, never was in the playoffs, and never played again. Yeah. Good deal. Oh, was good he on deal. that team in 86 early when they went to the World I Series? I was. And then he was here. He was here. So then, like, right yeah. at the deadline. Oh, right at the, okay. It wasn't the trading deadline. It was June sometime, but. June 86. Yeah. yeah. And so, so oh, and then they I came on. here, and, and oh, he went there. But he never did play in the playoffs because he hurt his knee. I, I thought it was an off season, so it was mid-season. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. They sent me packing. And People ask me all the time, how many times do you get traded? I'm like, only once, but I think I was released like 15 times. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to remember all that stuff. When yeah. you retired, did you get into broadcasting right away? Yeah. You didn't actually retired. Did they, they see that in me. you? Did someone see it? No, you didn't retire. They just told you. Yeah, they just said you can't come back anymore. They, you know, I showed up. Where's and it wasn't my glove? A like, this is a microphone. Yeah, I didn't. You'll be using this now. Good. I don't, you know, <laughs> <laughs> people always say, make them tear that uniform off your back. I'm like, well, I just showed up and it wasn't there one day. You know? In fact, you know, when the season was over, they used to tell me if if the uniform isn't hanging in your locker and when the season's over, you won't get your final paycheck. That's what they'd be like. It's yeah, like it's the, the red nice. tag in, the, the uh, in Major League. These days, you know, Big Poppy's signing a uniform every day and throwing it somewhere, sure. giving it all away. So what, was, do you, um, what do you like about the Red Sox that you cover? Uh, they're a lot more fun team this year. You know, younger energy. And, you know, it's last year for Big Poppy. I, I think he's going to give all the gifts back and come back. I mean, he's having an amazing year. You know, he hit another big home run last night for us. I mean, he's off to one of his best starts. He usually has bad, slow Aprils. But you know, the guy's 40 years old, and he's right now having one of his best seasons. So he's fun to watch. Um, you know, I, I'm assuming they're going to do something tonight for him, you know, for the giveaway. Everyone has to do the the. The, We're going to uh, give farewell. him, like, some deep dish pizza. Yeah. Uh, that would Just be sweet Chicago because I'll tell stuff. you what, in Houston they gave him a hat. Give him a Stetson. And I'm like, they really? Yeah. So I went online and I looked up the Stetson and they say, oh, yeah, but I can't remember what I said. Oh, but it's a Blue River Stetson. So I looked it up and then the Stetson was like 58 bucks. I mean, come on. <laughs> the that's, city of that's what they gave him? The best they can come up with? <laughs> yeah. So, that's what Anyway, so so I don't of, know what they're giving him. I'll tell you, if they give him the deep dish pizza, he'll eat it before I get a chance to get down there and get some of it. I know that. <laughs> What I think they're going to give him – I think I know what they're giving him. I think they're giving him a humidor. A humidor? Yeah. That's what I That's what I hear from Does, my people. Is it a big one? But is it the it's Kittle? A, um, it's a – no, it's, yeah. Ron Kittle, who you probably played with. Oh, Kitty. Yeah, oh, sure. He's been on our podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, Just yeah. to give you an idea of the level. Yeah, you guys are – The commissioner. Are, we've had Frank Thomas. That's a big deal. I think you guys are going to be going global soon. It's a pretty big the, deal. Yeah, with no. the names you're dropping on us Well, you now. can tell. You know, they put us in the, the service kitchen. Cleaning. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. For the uh, – <laughs> for the recordings. Ron Kittle's, you know. Yeah, Kittle made him a, a humidor. He's a very talented guy, Ron Kittle. Is he still managing, like, an A-ball team that's, you know, independently? No, not anymore. He gave that up? No. He told me he played with you. He said you were a jerk. I, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> understanding that about myself now. It happens all the time. I'm going to tell him, Ron, you're so wrong. This guy is yeah, yeah, a sweetheart. You know, if people are calling you a jerk and other people say that you're not, you better look in the mirror because it might be you, you know? <laughs> you have been a therapist. <laughs> you really have. It's going well for you, though. It's solid. What do you? What's the challenge as a broadcaster versus player? What's the biggest uh, challenge uh, that you had to face? Don't swear on the air. Yeah, and uh, you could swear on this, by the way. Yeah, I'm not Just gonna. Do it. I'm not Just gonna. One out of the way. Brad's gonna bleep. Go it. ahead. Uh, I'll say one. Just Commissioner swore. 
Huh? The commissioner? He, no, yeah. he did not. Did he? Oh, yeah. No, he didn't. Well, that was when you guys were leaving. He told you guys to F off, right? <laughs> and like right out. Was take a Go hike. get in that effing kitchen yeah. right now. Yeah. 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 You guys, worthless. No, I mean, hey, there's, I mean, I've had some tough times as a broadcaster. I got fired for what they, what they said to be a racist comment, which is really funny to me. No, it's not funny. It was, it was, it was, it was a career killer. Um, and I'm the furthest thing from racist. I have a, my grandson's biracial. Uh, I just never saw things that way. I, sure. You know, what I said was uh, I was trying to be funny. It wasn't a really funny joke, but it had no racist intentions at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, th- I think if anyone ever really went back and looked at what I said, they would say, well, what you really did was insult wallet thieves. Not, yeah. you know, so it's so convoluted to get I'm back I'm sure into the that Red story. Sox would not have you on their right. broadcast they team if they thought that about it. Well, anyway, we Killing will let me. you go because you got to prepare for the game. It's a big night, big poppy send off. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us. We'd love to have you on the White Sox and uh, wish you all the best of luck the rest of the season. And uh, when you roll through town again, we'd love to have you. I, I appreciate it. Appreciate the time. Next, can you let him talk? Maybe a little bit more. I, just, I mean, seriously. Just I'm what, almost as hungover as you are, Steve. He gets, so to, he gets to ask one or two questions. That's, that's all right, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're right. Ahead, I do actually. I have one. I mean, you started to mention it earlier, then Pat cut you off. That's what he does. Um, yeah. you, were, you were starting to talk about just how, like, the tenor of this team is a lot different than it was last year. And I think we're going through a similar resurgence here on the south side. I mean, how much of a difference do you think that really makes? Just a cohesive clubhouse, guys having a good time. I've always been a chemistry guy. I always feel like uh, you you give me guys that might be less talented, um, and but get along and play hard together. Mm-hmm. I can beat you. Like I was I was a lousy player, but I found ways to beat guys that are way better than I was. You know, and you guys made a lot of changes over here, and you brought in guys I think that have been winners at other places. So I think that'll go a long way. You know, with the Red Sox, you know, we had guys last year that were underperforming, right. overpaid, and, and, you know, we've eliminated some of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the younger guys on the team uh, have made a big impact. And I think uh, the cha- sometimes it's hard when you make a lot of changes, but I think the changes that this team made were good ones, and they all brought in guys that want to play hard. Sure. You say that you eliminated. Is that the long answer? No, it's perfect. <laughs> I liked it. No, thank you. You say you eliminated some of that. Who's who's still left? That's underperforming and overpaid. <laughs> well, <laughs> you've seen the roster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, last year. Here's one of those traps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't hey, do it, it's Steve. easy. I, it's easy. To, it's easy to talk about the guys. The guys that were that way knew it. I mean, last yeah. year, uh, you know, we had Pablo Sandoval and Hanley Ramirez. Both had really, really bad seasons. They understood that. Uh, Hanley Ramirez dropped about 15 pounds, changed positions that nobody thought he could go play first base. He's probably been one of the best first basemen in the league. Uh, Sandoval had a really bad year last year. He was on his way to having another really bad year this year, but he lost his job, then hurt his shoulder. Now he's, you know, he's out for the season, mm-hmm. and some things have to change with him. I, he knows that. Everyone knows that. Um, but you know, so you're talking about two guys that had really bad years last year that we were counting on. One of them's not in the lineup anymore. The other one has completely changed and has had a resurgence. And then you have guys taking their places. Travis Shaw's now our third baseman. Lukey right. Betts gets to play every day. Suddenly it's a different team. And so, uh, you know, those were good changes for this ball club, uh, no matter how you look at it. You know, uh, and I, like I said with Hanley, Hanley and I are actually pretty close. And I told him, I said, Hanley, he wasn't healthy. You know, and I said, you didn't say enough about it. You didn't tell anyone you weren't healthy. So everyone's sitting there around bashing your year because you're not playing very well. I said, you do yourself a favor. You say, hey, my shoulder's hurt. And it was hurt long before he ever said anything about it. Now he's come back. And I think you have to really tip your cap to what he's done this year so far. You done that? You give advice to guys? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They take my advice. They don't even know that I played. I mean, these guys, are you kidding me? They're like, what, like this what, guy what in the custom know? suit? No, thanks. I know, exactly. Baseball I mean, with it, you know, all my right. dad tells me all the time, he says, you better dress well because you don't ever say anything smart on TV. <laughs> and he said you sucked at baseball. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He's sounds a great guy. What are you getting him for Father's Day? Yeah, I know. Why are you in therapy again? You are really bad. He is Steve Lyons. He is with the New England Sports Network. And are you on Twitter, Steve? I well, I was, <laughs> but I just I just dumped that. I kind of got tired of it. Yeah. And uh, and I. What well, what's something I, you want to plug? Plug something. Oh, geez, I got nothing. You got an autobiography out there? Oh, I've written two books. Yeah. I'm the only person in the history of the world to have written more books than I've read. I think so. <laughs> I don't know. Two anyway. to one. But they're all you know. Those are long done. You know, they're, they're, you're not going to walk in any bookstore and see them on the shelf. There's no bookstores. No, I know there <laughs> isn't anywhere. Yeah. I think the. Uh, uh, I think there was a Barnes and Noble where I had my very first book signing here in Chicago, and now it's like a top man. <laughs> what is top man? <laughs> Distinctive clothing for the fourteen-year-old. Is that where they're going? <laughs> it's very know. tight stuff. <laughs> very, very, very tight. All right, thank you, Steve. Really appreciate it. <laughs> you got it. Thanks for your time. Well, there you go. How fun was that? The commish. And the psycho. And Steve Lyons. The commish and the psycho. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That should be the title of this episode. No pressure, Brad. <laughs> name in the episode that. Um, no, that was a lot of fun. And we would love to hear you guys' feedback on that. And by the way, if you ever want to reach out, send us um, somebody you'd like to have as, as a guest. You know, you want to throw some suggestions our way. And it could be someone that's involved with the White Sox. It could be a Chicagoan. We'd love to hear from you. We want to interact with you guys. So do that. The cycle at shysocks.com, or you can reach out to us individually. Uh, Pat, you're on Twitter. Yep. McGann Pat. I'm uh, at Jimmy Flan, F L A N N. And Flanagan Cell is 630 <laughs> I want to see how, how far, far you're willing yeah. to go with this. <laughs> That's it. Okay, That's good. It. <laughs> That's a good start, though. No, definitely reach out. And um, again, thank you for listening to this, which I think was our best episode yet. Our I best agree. episode yet. But we're going to keep pressing it. We're going to have all four major sports commissioners on one time. That's not true. No. But I just wanted, to, <laughs> just wanted to really set expectations out there. But no, this was a lot of fun. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. He gone! He did it! <laughs>